Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Welcome to an all new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined by Jason Brooks, and we are, for the first time in a long time, joined by the host of Morin's Law, Christopher Morin. Christopher, welcome back to the podcaster podcast again. And uh, Jason, how you doing today? I'm all right. I'm all right. I uh, just had a virtual report card pickup where parents have to come and talk to us, and it's very strange to do this still do this stuff virtually after all this time but um yeah glad to be here glad to talk wrestling with the two of you chris glad that you're on to talk with us about wrestling it's uh been a good week yeah no i appreciate you guys having me on it's been a while in fact i think impact was still tna last time i was on <laughs> oh yeah that is true it's it's only what the 14th name change i guess you know 13. and now they're having the biggest pay-per-view in the history of the the company probably well, unless you uh, unless you're AEW and uh, we don't actually bring it up, but you know they did mention it like one for one sentence, but we'll we'll get to that. Get to that momentarily, but uh, Chris, you know, before we start all the fun, just once again, let everybody know that Chris has a really entertaining podcast where you can check anywhere you uh, listen to podcasts more and more in law, and you can also check out Christopher Morin on on Twitter. A very entertaining uh, to follow. I do, and I'm sure everyone else should. Uh, at Morton underscore law, where he gets into entertaining conversations with everyone in the wrestling industry, to Kevin Kelly, to uh, Triple H, I'm sure, Court Bauer, certain guys we may talk about today in different different ways. But uh, Chris, you want to let people know a little bit about your podcast before we, uh, we start all the fun? Sure. It's a hybrid podcast. I've been doing it for about a year now. It's a lot of fun. I mix in my stand-up comedy with my insight on wrestling, along with uh, some occasional sports talk. And uh, just so everybody, uh, also, I have a YouTube channel, Morton's Law Podcast, along with the, the uh, by the way, I've been banned by Mike, uh, Michael Cole blocked me. I forgot to say that. Yes, Michael Cole blocked me. And I think Shawn Michaels may have blocked me, even though I didn't really say anything horrible to him. I think I critiqued the leg slapping in NXT because obviously it's banned on the main roster, but yet I'm still seeing it on NXT. So I don't think he liked that too much. Well, we, we were blocked by Jerry Lawler. I don't think we ever actually spoke to Jerry Lawler. So, you know, I don't know what happened there, but. He's a he's a cre- he's a cretin, so it's fine. I'm fine with it anyway. Well, if you were if you were a 17 year old girl, you wouldn't be blocked. There you go. Uh, but let's let's start things off. AW week two on its own. Uh, once again, was over a million. Was down slightly in the demo. Uh, once again, lost to the uh, MTV The Challenge, which is season finale. Leo Rush can say that he was on the number one show on Wednesday nights consistently, even though he got voted off like after week three. Um, what did you guys think of week two of on its own? I mean, you know, the big things coming out of, you know, was the women's match keep on, they keep on getting better. MJS promo, you know, the idea like we let off that the title title versus title really wasn't spoken about. I know uh, you wanted to speak about Chris, the idea of where we might be going with when it comes to Adam page, but uh, Jay, where would you like to start off with? Yeah, I think I'll start off with the one thing I bang on AW most about, other than the fact that everything happens very quickly, is their women's division. And I think the I think WWE really, really dropped the ball with Tay Conti. We talked about her a lot when she was released and said, hey, she's not ready yet, but she has a lot of potential. She has a good look. She has that judo background. She's beautiful. 
um, you could see some potential in her. And she wrestled one of the best women's matches AEW's ever had. And so her and Sheeta wrestle, and she obviously, so much of the credit goes to Sheeta, but they wrestled a hell of a match. And I give Tay Conti a lot of credit. I think she's someone who they can eventually like build stuff around. And so, you know, that that's maybe my biggest takeaway. Um, and the fact they're really hyping up this blood and guts. <laughs> I mean, they're giving this thing so much time. It's really, really crazy. So, um, but yeah, the, the women's match, I, I think is one of my bigger takeaways from it. Uh, Chris, what was your thoughts on uh, Tay Conte and Sheeta? I know you're someone who most likely has been a little critical of the women's division. You're listening to your podcast, you know, that's, hasn't been a strength of the company. what do you think of, of that? And uh, you know, the women's division as a whole. Well, first thing I'll say is I just want to piggyback off what Jay said to a degree within Ty Conti saying is NXT dropped the ball. If you think about their roster and the talent they have, there's, there's a, a plethora of talent in which you would look at Ty Conti and say, okay, well, she's a cut above all these other people. And that's why perhaps that happened to her. And then also don't forget that the possibility of just improving, getting better over time. Maybe at that point, she wasn't what she is now and she's learned from her mistakes. Don't forget Serena Deeb is now there in AEW. So I'm sure they're tweaking some of her flaws and therefore she looks better. Also the match. Yes. As, as I said here in my notes, the match was really good. It was, it, I mean, look, that was the best she's looked. Sheeta was incredible. Uh, and in fact, I like what I like most about this match is that Sheeta worked borderline heel here. She gave us an edge, a different look. Yeah, therefore it, it was, it was better that you see Conti selling like a baby face. Um, if I, if I were to tweak anything in terms of critiques, like you say, Corey, I like to say things about this division. I don't know if this was on the announcers, but I guess it was because there was a spot on the floor where there was a vertical suplex. And for whatever reason, they called it a brain buster. And if you're going to call that a brain buster, well, then that should be a move to go home off of, because that's a devastating move. And overall, not to go off on a tangent here, but that's what we talk about in terms of AEW modern wrestling in general. If you're going to do a crazy move like that, you have to, that should be your, like, your pre-go-home move. I can see that. And uh, one of the things I would give them credit for, which AEW never does, one of the things that they do, they have a, a lot of content off, off TV. They have the Road 2 series. They've got Dark Elevation, Dark, you know, being in the elite. But one of the things they did really well this week was the Road 2 series. They highlighted their three major matches for the show. And what they did was this time around, and it was like maybe 40 seconds, they showed highlights from that Road 2 series right before the match. For someone who really isn't super invested or was just watching because they watched for the first time last week because there was no competition with NXT, you saw a little bit why Ty Conte's match was so important. Why well, they, well, you know, with that, with the, I, 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 they could have done it the week before, maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe give us a preview the week before. You, they've been previewing Blood and Guts for uh, eight weeks now. The match isn't until May. This is for the world title. And we get a 40-second preview of, of Sheeta doing some karate moves. Let's try to – let's maybe do a, a bigger preview. Let's hear more about Ty Conti's story. Let's hear about her being released from NXT and how she had to make her way back and how she's at the depths of the bottom and she's had to like improve and get better. Like, let's talk about her story. We still don't know anything about her except she's gotten better. If you're, if you just watch AEW and never watch NXT, all you would know is she's pretty, she's pretty good in the ring. And apparently she's Anna Jay's friend. Right. And that's, they need to, we need, they, they pump Jay Cargill up. We know everything about her, 
but the woman who fought for the title, we barely have heard her speak. That's still an issue that AEW has and continues to have. Wrestling is about characters. It's about getting into characters. And they continue to do this thing where the women characters, other than a few, are not really that important. I mean, I see, I see what you're saying there, but like I, I, I mean, like I said, I watched the whole entire Road 2 video. Which Corey, was- this isn't about Road 2. They had 1.1 million people watch this. Road 2 had, what, 150,000? I don't give a shit about Road 2. It's great that they do it. It's wonderful that they do it. But there's a lot of content out there. You need to get your viewers, your 1 million people now who are watching the show every week, to get who Tay Conte is so they're not, you know, so they're, so they're into it. And, and Jay also, I'm sorry, Corey. And Jay also, it's a two-hour show. Think about all the extracurricular stuff on that show that could easily be cut instead of, in terms of like putting a package together for Tay Conte. Do we need Sting out there every week? Right. 60 years old. Where's he going? Well, you know, you, you wonder uh, segment by segment. We don't know this week what did the best in the ratings, but uh, there's a reason why Sting's out there. He does well in the ratings for uh, for, for people. But uh, before we move on, I thought they did a good, like I, said, I thought they did a really good job with the match. I thought afterwards with Britt Baker coming out, telling you this is your next challenger, the way that they have been setting her up with challenging the ranking system over the last couple of weeks. And then the minute she this match was over, she came out, they did the big graphic saying she's number one. And we pretty much know that double or nothing, this match is happening. We've got, you know, a month to build this up. They've been, at least in my opinion, I think they've been really good at slow builds. I want to see what they do over the next four and a half, five weeks until we get to double nothing, you know, Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend, whichever one comes first. I'm, I'm, as you can see, I'm great with, uh, with holidays. <laughs> uh, um, this is Jay's debacle every week, trying to figure out what the hell I'm saying. But, you know, I think you've got something that could really go well. I think this is the age of the dentist, or however they're going to say, with Britt Baker as your next champion. I think Sheeta's done a great job, and I thought it was really cool that part of that package was Sheeta saying she's been a champion during the pandemic era, so she's never really had a title, you know, a title match in front of a live crowd. She's champion for over 300 days, but with in front of basically no fans. And now this is going to be the challenge if she could be Britt Baker, who from the beginning, she was supposed to be the face of the company. And now she finally looks like this is the moment for her. And, you know, I'd like to see how they're going to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think the one positive with this match, too, is they didn't announce it as Jair sometimes gets a little bit sexist with the women's wrestling and calling the women Jezebels and that sort of bullshit language we used to hear in the 90s. They did a good job of calling this match a little bit more like a pro wrestling match. And I'm, I do feel very positive about the build for Sheeta because they have built Britt Baker. She's one of the best built characters on the show. And so I, I think she's absolutely going to win the title. I think there's no doubt about it. Um, and I think that they're going to build up to a good match because of what they've already had invested in her. Uh, real quick, if I may, I was, when I watch matches, I'm always curious about what finish they're going to go with. Because if you're building Conti, I thought maybe there's a possibility of Baker coming out before she did and maybe costing Conti the match and saying, nobody else is going to beat you for this title but me. But to be honest and fair, their ending was fine too. I didn't have a problem with that because they focused on wins and losses, something that Tony Khan has talked about since day one. So their ending to that worked for me also. Absolutely. Uh, one of the other big things on the show, for two straight weeks we've had, or two, two out of the last three weeks, we've had really good promos by either Jericho and MJF. A lot of people Really enjoy Jericho's promo from a couple of weeks ago. And then this week, MJS retort with a sit down with uh, JR. 
I thought was to another level. I, th- I think that when MJF is knows something matters, he can be at times the best promo in the game right now. And I thought that really helped. I mean, it's going to be interesting what they do next week with this parlay and building up this show for gut, you know, Blood and Guts. And there's been rumors that Blood and Guts might be the whole entire show on February 5th, which we can, sorry, on March, on May 5th. And <laughs> holidays, months, I got no idea what you're but um, I really do think it's going to be interesting, the build next week and everything going forward. But MJF, I think, knocked it out of the park. I think he's so good when it matters. And I, and I even thought Santana outshined um, Jericho in their segment. And I really like the fact that I always thought that Sammy Guevara was going to be the number two guy in that stable when it came to talking. But Santana really shined. What, what was your thoughts, Jay? All right, here's a question for you guys. Yeah, I thought Santana was great. Um, and I think he's going to be one of those guys who really comes out of this good. Do We didn't hear from FTR. Jake Hager said like one line. Uh, Wardlow was in there a little bit. Uh, Sean Spears, I don't think he talked at all. Are we worried that some of the members, and I know, you know, Young Bucks talked about the fact that everybody's in the stable and they said, I think it was Nick Jackson specifically, he said, well, you know, it works in New Japan and it's easier to get everybody on the show if you have stables. Um, but is, are these guys being overshadowed a little bit? Um, the Sean Spears, and I know he wasn't in anything before, but, you know, FTR, are these guys being overshadowed a little bit by this feud being basically Jericho and MJF? Uh, Chris, you can take that. Well, I was just going to talk about in general. I'll answer that in a second. But I was just when, when you look at Wardlow in, in terms of how he was built early on and as the bodyguard of MJF, and then he's kind of now, like you just said, he's really not a th- thought of. And they teased that breakup with him and MJF, and we never got anywhere with that. And look, let's be fair about Sean Spears. I've said this from the beginning. He's essentially the Steve McMichael or Paul Roma of this group. I mean, does he really belong in an upper echelon stable? And when you just like, okay, real quick, here's the one thing before we continue with that. The one thing that bothered me about this particular promo is that why are they saying promo? How many people understand what a promo is and how you cut a promo? That's more insider lingo for what percentage of their audience. That bothered me a lot. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, that really didn't bother me because I guess – I've come through the idea that the AW, and this is, I'm, I'm just, you can say it's an AW mark, you know, just forgiving everything. But when I think of the AW fan, I think that's more of like the hardcore fan who knows like the inside terms and maybe I just forgive it, but I never thought about it as a bad thing. But I can see your point where the average fan who might be tuning in for the first time and everything else, and you got to look at that every time you might have new people joining. It didn't really affect me one way or another, but I, I can see your point there. Yeah, it didn't, but wasn't a big deal for me. Uh, at this point, with these insider terms, I mean, it's just what we hear from these promos, basically, uh, in general. So those things don't bother me too much, as long as it's not like too insider. Um, so yeah, didn't really didn't really bother me at all. Um, but to the point of the the being overshadowed thing, I mean, you know, Chris, you touched on it, but Corey, what, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think some of these some of the group um, particularly maybe Pinnacle, are being overshadowed a little bit by this? I don't I don't think so. I mean, if this is an ongoing thing for 
months and months as this goes along. I mean, I think the bigger problem with all this is your first, and I think Chris, you might've mentioned this on, on your podcast. The first match in this feud is the war games match. I know, right. I know technically you had the match with MJF and Jericho to get into the inner circle that started everything off was the one-on-one one-on-one match. But when your first match technically of a big match quality is the war games, it's a weird situation to begin with. But I think MJF's promo was so good. And what he's been doing, at least in my opinion, is rubbing off on FTR and them just being there in that group. They I don't, don't I don't I don't agree with that at all. They MJF talked and they looked at him. That doesn't make them look stronger at all. I, I completely disagree with that. Completely because FTR came in. They don't need any rub. FTR came in saying they were the best tag team in the world. They went against the Young Bucks in a really, really good match. We know their reputation. They've been in the WWE. They've been in NXT. He does, they don't need any rub from him. I, I I completely disagree with that. Yeah, but I think there's also times when you had like the four horsemen. Yeah, there were times. This isn't the, this isn't the four horsemen. MJF is not Ric Flair. Let's let's slow let's slow down with that. Not- MJ, MJF is great and has a lot of potential. And has had some great promos. He he, it's a long time for him to be Rick fucking Flair. I'm not a saying long it, time. But the idea is that's what he's supposed to be portraying, right? That now. that's the idea. But but FTR is already a big time tag team. They're already there. I I I just I that that whole that's the whole narrative thing that we're supposed to say as wrestling fans that he gives him the rub or it, it's okay to say MJF looked great and the other guys sat there didn't do anything. That, that, you know what I mean? Like, that's okay to say. We don't have to do the narrative thing all the time. I actually, I mean, but like, you know, Oli back in the day, I know this is before some of our listeners most of them were born, but Oli and Arn as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew were, you know, were over before they became horsemen and they didn't have to talk. Every once in a while you heard them talk, but a lot of promos, it was Rick who was talking in those promos. So I think, and Tony Khan tries to have the formula of using things that worked in the past as a foundation. Now, if they go and see the ratings of these segments aren't working and people are complaining on forums or online on Twitter and all the other forums that really don't matter a lot of time are saying that why isn't FTR speaking and FTR is not getting anything from this, then maybe they'll change course. And if they don't, then they're not going with the time. I don't, Corey, they're not going to look at the ratings and say FTR is not talking. So we're not going to do that. Like that's not the, that's not what they're going to do. They're, you know, they're going to continue down this path and see you know, see how things go. I don't think FTR not talking. I'm, I'm saying in this particular feud, I'm not saying this is how it's always going to be. But at this point, in my opinion, some of the members of the Pinnacle specifically are, are being overshadowed in this. And this is an MJF against the inner circle feud. That's what it feels like to me. And I feel like FTR, who has been on a good run before, who was with Tully, who were cutting their own promos, who were doing their own thing, have been overshadowed. So I, 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 I disagree with you here, but MJF has looked great, but he's looked great. So uh, we, uh, could, we could move on from this, or maybe Chris could be the, uh, the, the, the referee, the, the man in the middle to <laughs> tell us who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, I really don't have much of an opinion on it other than the fact that, like what Corey said earlier regarding this being what you would call a blow-off to the feud, and this should be longer. And, and I said the same thing about Cole and O'Reilly. The way they had that match end looked like a blow off to a feud. But now we hear that that's going to continue. And there's got to be a better way to do this. And that I don't know how AEW can get around war games and it not being the end to this feud. Yeah, I'm not sure. If, I don't think it's going to be the end. But uh, one, of, one other 
one of the major things from the uh, from the show this week is something that we complained about. Uh, Impact champion Kenny Omega will be facing. Uh, I'm sorry, Impact soon to be most likely champion. Uh, Kenny Omega, AEW champion, will be facing Impact champion Rich Swan this coming Sunday at uh, at the Rebellion pay per view. If you watched uh, AEW this week, you had a quick insert during a commercial, and then Don Callis during their uh, promo segment for the Elite kind of mentioned the fact that he, he was going to go try to unify a title. Now I know that nobody on this podcast thinks that Rich Swan has any chance of winning this match. Rich Swan is, you know, to each everyone's idea how good or not he is and if he should be even in the spot of being the champion. But how do you go and try to make something even viable or somebody should care about when you don't even talk about it? I know that you're trying to go and get everything over and you're trying to get the ridiculous nightmare, nightmare family versus the factory, which is terrible and certain things on this show every week. But how do you not give a minute and a half or a couple of minutes? And I'm not saying Rich one has to be on the show. He should be. How do you not even have a highlight package during the actual show, not during a picture-in-picture? Picture? How do you not have something talking about this, Jay? Tell me I'm crazy, or I'm sure I'm hoping you agree with me on this. I mean, first of all, they got they have so much stuff on this show. I don't think they could they have time. But yeah, I mean, this the relationship has been strange. I thought there would be maybe we'd see fire and flavor on there, you know, um, on the show. Maybe we'd see Jessica Havoc on the show. Um, I, I thought we might see, you know, TJP could be on. I thought they would do more. This partnership has been the good brothers are on there every week and Omega is on impact occasionally. I mean, that's been the relationship, essentially. It sounds like this relationship was basically to get the good brothers on AEW without them being contractually obligated to AEW. Um, and so you have kind of a one-sided relationship you're probably going to have Omega win the title. So when you have a one-sided relationship, like this is what happens. I mean, we've, I've been in some one-sided relationships where I was the one side and I was the other side. And like, it doesn't always go your way. It usually doesn't. So I don't know, but I, I agree with you. AEW absolutely should have done something like anything, anything to, to me. And I've told you before, I don't think Rich one doesn't look like a champion to me. Uh, but at least do a video packet. When Kenta was when 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 Kenta was going for the uh, U.S. title, he'd sit there. He did the, the the go to sleep. I mean, now I think that's part of the problem, right? Kenta doing that is a big deal. Rich Swan coming on TV, people might be like, we don't care. So I think that's also maybe part of this too. I don't know, but it's strange that they didn't at least have a video package for it. Yeah, I agree with you, Corey. Also, I, I think, though, what if, just what if, could we talk about the relationship that with the with everyone now getting along in terms of New Japan impact again, and then AEW, what if there's a, a screw finish here where Omega doesn't win? Because if you're not going to promote it, then he comes on next week. Are they live again next week or the week after? I'm sorry. When is AEW live again? They're taped this week coming up, and then they're live from uh, gut, Blood and Guts. I just feel like if he's going to come back with the title now in two weeks, then you, how did he get it? You're not telling us how he got it, which makes me think there's a chance maybe he gets screwed out of winning it. Who knows? One thing I'll say that before we uh, we move on is Tony Khan, which his word has kind of been his bond, which 
you could say good things and bad things about Tony Khan. Tony Khan said there will be a definitive winner in this match. And I guess the other part that it makes me crazy about this, you're promoting that you have Mauro Ronaldo who hasn't done wrestling in what, two and a half years now? And who's a lot of, of the Mark wrestling fans, the people who have maybe lost interest are actually excited about it. I know like your our friend uh, James Saad is a big Mauro fan. He might actually watch this show as a result of Mauro being, you know, part of it. And, you know, you don't even promote the fact that Mauro's on the show. You know, I mean, it's like, what are you doing? It makes no sense. And there's a lot of things that I forgive AEW for. And if Jay can speak for like 45 minutes on all the things I forgive that make no sense in AEW. <laughs> that there is, there's no logical sense of why you don't do it. I mean, Tony Khan trying to play the heel on uh, Busted Open this morning, or it was yesterday, saying if, if they wanted to, if Impact wanted, you know, to promote their pay-per-view, they would have done what I did and bought TV time. That's a funny little line, but when a push comes to shove, how are you going to get people to care about this show on Sunday when the when most people don't have access TV? I'll watch if I can, you know, the Twitch feed or something else, but what's going on here? You have to- I guess, here's my question though for you, and I, I agree with you, but just playing devil's advocate for shits and giggles, if it's not AEW's responsibility to promote an impact show, I mean, it's their response. They are they're they're giving they're already giving impact the, the this great gift of Kenny Omega, which is gonna you know they they're one of their their last pay per view where they had um the the, the six man tag was one of their highest rated pay per views they've ever had. So they're already, they're already giving them Omega, and. The internet wrestling community knows that Omega's, you know, wrestling as well. So, you know, it's not really up to them to say we need to spend all this time on our TV show promoting impact. Like we don't need to do that. It also maybe for them is like a heelish move as well. So I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mostly agree with you, but it it isn't really their responsibility to promote it. That's a great point, Jason. Uh, Chris, before we move on to NXT, I know that uh, you wanted to speak about uh, Hangman Adam Page and what you see coming next. So uh, how about you uh, You lead us off on that conversation? Yeah, real quick, uh, just the match in general with Starks, if I can. Uh, that, that was a really good match, although there was a bit of an odd botch there by I think the announcers and everybody involved where Starks lands on his neck. And they say he landed on his feet. I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? And they all tried to cover it up. I mean, I guess it's as bad as Michael Cole at WrestleMania, right? Um, but ultimately, this, this was a, a good finish for Paige to win this. And then, of course, Cage comes out. And now they've announced that for next week. My issue with, with Paige is that they built him up for this long again. This is the second time. So I think, personally, it would be great. Now, they announced the match next week. But unfortunately... The FTW title is not on the line as of now. So, therefore, my idea would have been, because Taz is involved, and this makes sense based on the prior company he worked for when that title meant something, is if Paige won that title and then threw it in the garbage can and says, this title means nothing for, to me. I want one other title, and then calls out Omega. And then we go from there. That's just the thought in general about Paige, because he has to go somewhere from this. This cannot be back to nothing after, because... I just feel like he's all right. I'll put it to you like this. My question to you guys is this: Who, which EVP was responsible for the Dark Order? Whose brainchild was this? Good question. I think it was the Young Bucks. 
Okay, answer this question. In the last few months, he's been with the Dark Order. Is it fair to say that he's gotten them over or they got him over? So, and the answer, that's rhetorical. What? Well, you know, you know that I'm a bigger fan of the Dark Order than, than you are, but I think they've helped each other. And I think the long-term storytelling is here at either double or nothing or at all out, it's going to be Omega versus Page, where he was a title, and possibly, which I don't know if it's if it's time yet, Dark Order, Silver and Reynolds versus the Young Bucks as two of your bigger matches. I know Jay mostly doesn't think that the uh, the Dark Order is ready for that spot. No, after uh, all, of all these other tech, they're going to give Reynolds and Silver. Come on, come on. I I agree. I agree with Page. I think him joining the Dark Order is mostly silly because I think that I love I love the Dark Order. I think they're a great mid card gimmick stable. They're great. They're a great mid card gimmick stable, but that's what they are. And Page is bigger than the Dark Order. He just is. Um, and to me, him being in the stable, I think makes him look worse because yeah, it's a mid card. It's a mid-card gimmick stable, which is great. It's hilarious. Put, you know, Sean Spears in there or something. But you, what you, what you want to do is put a mid-carder in that. Don't put a, you know, a upper main event level guy in there. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. But, yeah. So, so that being said, I do think they're going to build up Page to win a title. I think it's going to happen at All Out. Um, that, that's, that's my prediction. But there's a lot of other stuff for Omega to do too. Christian, you know, all these other things. So, um, but I, I think eventually we're going to get a page Miro. This is fantasy booking way in the future, but I, I do think page eventually wins the title. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where they're going with him, but I think they, to Chris's point, this has to be the time for them to keep building him up. They, they, I think they keep saying he's the number one or number two contender. Right. So, but I think at double or nothing, you might see a Omega, and I don't know who else against Eddie Kingston and uh, Moxley. That might be a tag. It might be a tag match at Double or Nothing. I think you might see the. I, th- I might. I think you might see the, the Young Bucks versus uh, Kingston and Moxley for the tag team titles. But I, I could see it going that way, or maybe a six man tag, or you know something even very elite versus somebody. I mean, I see a lot of different you know pieces on the board holding off for the world title match at you know. Um, all out, but so, uh, so Corey, so Corey, hold on, real quick before we move on. So, yes. you think that the dark order is helping Paige? Absolutely, I think because it's a with the, with the gimmick that he's doing right now of the guy who was thrown out of the elite and who was lost in the with the whole thing with the drinking and not sure what his direction is should be. He's still I think, drinking, he's definitely still drinking. Uh, I think it's for me personally, I think it's worked the idea that. He's not sure where his place is in this company, and he's trying to find someone to replace the elite. And this kind of keeps him one foot in with the elite storyline and one foot out, where you can do all the stuff with the elite, work all these other angles, and keep him away from the title for a little bit longer, but still have him where you do these interviews where Alex Marvez is asking, so what's your opinion on this? And he's like, all right, I'm going to go do something else. And he never answers. So you know that they, he's still part of it, but he's away from it far enough that he's doing something else and you can still do what you do to need to do with Moxley and Kingston. And it makes enough sense why he's not going for the title yet with him being the number one contender. 
But answer a question for me. When you go, when you go back when AEW first started and he was doing the cowboy shit, free tag team titles, you're telling me he wasn't more over then than he is now? Absolutely not. And he wasn't ready to be champion then. I think he, with all the stuff he's been through with the tag team stuff, with getting over with the drink, unbelievably getting over with the drinking gimmick and the stuff he's doing with the Dark Order, I think he's more confident. I think he's better in the ring now. I think that he's ready to be champion. I think, I think before the Dark Order stuff, he was ready. I, I do Thank agree you. with you. He wasn't ready. I do agree he wasn't ready at all out when they had Jericho against Paige. I don't think the Dark Order has any has had anything to do with it. I think he's right. been developing that personality since he's been in AEW. Now, Dark Order may have accentuated it, like, you know, whatever. He's been goofy on there, but I don't think it's changed. I don't think it's changed them at any point. All right. Um, well, there's a lot of interesting conversation in regards to AEW this week. Once again, for the second straight week, they were over the 1 million mark. It's going to be interesting to see if they continue this pace. I mean, before we move on to NXT very quickly, from what you saw over the last two weeks and with blood and guts coming up in another week, do you think that they're going to continue this pace of over a million viewers? I don't know if there's a reunion show or not next week for the challenge, which, you know, was the only thing that killed them in the 18 to 49, which basically trounced them. You know, I think they got like a 0.58. Do you think they stay over a million and stay, you know, high up with the 18 to 49 or from what you've seen over the last week or two, you think the number is going to go down? Uh, Jay, what's your gut say? I was going to say, I feel like I've been starting off. So I'll have Chris start off on this. Chris, what are your thoughts? All right, thank you, Jay. Uh, I think ultimately this week said a lot because I speculated how much it could drop. And I thought it could go down to 900 or even lower, depending on what. Now, this is what I've said on my show about the NXT fans watching AEW. Conversely, I think the AEW fans are more loyal to their product, which is why you haven't seen the NXT number jump so much as much as the AEW number has. So therefore, if those NXT fans continue to watch, then yes, it can stay at this number, if not even go up. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before, right? The one-week spike or or the one-week drop. And I always say it's about patterns. And now we have a two-week pattern of these are kind of the ratings that we're seeing from both companies. And I think this is pretty much what we're going to see moving forward. I think when there's bigger matches or you know, when there's bigger segments, I think things can change depending on the news, obviously. Um, you know, we've had a lot in the news lately. So depending on how things change, maybe the ratings can go up or go down. But I think this is kind of the pattern we're going to see for a little while. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I, th- I think this pattern could be interesting and, the, and it could be a real test to see what Blood and Guts does in two weeks. But NXT take uh, NXT Takeover, NXT by itself for a week two went up, stayed about the same in 18 to 49, went from a 2-2 two, two, uh, two, two to, I believe, to a 2-3, that 18 to 49 demo, but it went from an 805K to 841. So there was a, a 9.5% growth within the number. I think that's a really good sign. Jay said it's a pattern. We'll see where it goes from here. I think they had good momentum from the TakeOver shows. But first thing I want to talk about this week, Cool Kyle. I put on the front page of the new uh, picture for the Wrestling Life group on Facebook was one side was this picture of Cool Kyle and the other was Orange Cassidy. Of course, the two opposite sides of the spectrum. One's totally a gimmick who does occasionally a wrestling move. The other one's doing a weird gimmick right now who's one of the best wrestlers in the world. But I'd love to get your guys' point of view. What did you think of week one of the Cool Kyle gimmick? I'll say right off the top, it doesn't feel like a main event gimmick to me. 
But, you know, I was wrong when it came to Orange Cassidy at first. He's one of the most popular guys in all of wrestling. I'm not saying we're getting Orange Cassidy in Pooh Kyle. But, uh, Jay, what was your thoughts of Pooh Kyle? I know you're a huge Kyle Riley fan from the uh, Future Shock days in ROH. My first thing is let's give it a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. You're, you're playing the Corey angle here. All right. Well, because we don't know if this – he's just, like, happy now that – like he won. And so he's like, it's like, you know, I'm on a beach now I'm relaxing or whatever. Cause he didn't come out like that. When he, when he wrestled Cameron Grimes, he didn't come out like cool. Kyle, he came out with his, with his regular ring gear. So, uh, you know, and also we've been seeing what he's been wearing, you know, the Metallica shirts and he's been dressing, I think like he normally dresses like in, you know, in real life. So um, I think this was just a one week thing where he just feels relaxed and relieved that he, um, you know, won a big match. I don't, I don't anticipate anything. I don't think he's going to be dressing like this moving forward. Um, but I do think his kind of character development over the next six months is going to be interesting. Like, how does he develop? What do we get from him? He seems like kind of like a goofy, goofy baby face. I think that's kind of who he is as a person. And I think he's going to try to accentuate that as a character. But his development, I think, is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be really important for NXT because they need a strong, another strong babyface. And can he be that strong babyface who really delivers for them, uh, not just in the ring, but also from a character standpoint and, a, um, you know, from a, a storyline standpoint? Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on Cool I think his initial promo lacked something. It lacked it. It just it wasn't. It didn't come across as him. I don't know who he is behind the scenes. But it seemed, if I hate to say this, forced. And I don't know how a regular audience, obviously you have people around ringside chant. Listen, the regular fan base is going to cheer most of what he does. I get that because he's a face and people love him, especially his in-ring work. However, with this gimmick, I just don't know if you have a bigger fan base or people falling asleep during that promo. I don't know. I mean, if you look sometimes at the, now it, this, you really can't judge it off this, but you look at the people behind him on the, on the boards, Nobody's reacting to anything. And I just felt like the promo lacked. But then when Grimes comes into the ring, then he picked it up a little bit. I thought he was more interesting coming off of Grimes as they worked back and forth than he was solo. And to be fair, Grimes really outshined him on this. Grimes looks like the main event star from the vocal aspect of it. Um, I could see that. I mean, I... I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I said, I'm more just taking the, the comedic value of the cool Kyle thing than anything else. I still think that there's a lot of great things in Kyle O'Reilly. And I do think that we absolutely have not seen the, the last of, you know, Adam Cole. I don't think this feud's over. And I think that the return of Adam Cole will most likely get rid of the cool Kyle gimmick where he's going to be. I don't think it's a gimmick. It's one week. Look, what are we talking about here? He came out for one week. He said he was happy. He said it was, you know, he, he's excited. And that's why he was dressing like this. Let's give it longer than, than two weeks. Let's get to the important thing. The fact that I was right. Once again, um, <laughs> Jason Brooks at work, shoot pod. I'm usually right about wrestling, but with Corey, I'm always right. Corey, let's get to, let's get to the Zoe Zark. Zoe Stark uh, thing that we, we talked about. I'll let you let you lead with it. All right. Uh, so last week I was a little bit scared and confused on why you would have Zoe Stark as the first opponent for the debuting Zareya. 
uh, after Zoe Stark had just been Tony Storm, one of your bigger stars in NXT, in NXT uh, UK, and a person a lot of people think is one of the future stars of NXT and just in general in Tony Storm. And then, you know, having her basically being fed to your new, your, your new fresh toy in Soraya. And I was absolutely wrong. The idea, the fact that Zoe Stark looked better coming out of this match than she did going into it. I mean, you can't have someone continuously lose big match after big match, or they slowly turn to someone you don't care about. And of course, I'm going to sound like two sides out of my mouth when I say the idea that, you know, Jungle Boy continuously losing matches when he goes for the TNT title, it doesn't hurt him because he's, you know, as good as you look in the match. So I'm going to sound like a two-faced person here, you know, on that. But I thought Zoe Stark looked really good. I think that the idea that Tony Storm, Tony Storm coming out after the match and attacking, continuing that feud, now that makes more sense. Zarai looked really good. I'm not sure if she's on the level of, you know, an EO or some of the other, you know, um, Asian stars that we've gotten over the last couple of years from this one, one show, but she looked really good. And it just continues the depth of stars that we have within this NXT division. I mean, you can just say the, the, those two words. Jay was right once again. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I will take that. I agree. It was a great match. Um, and I, I think it'll be, you know, and they, you know, the, the little segment with, go ahead, Corey. Just say, I don't think this is going to come out of my mouth for a long time. Jay, you may disagree, but I think it was the second best women's match we had this week. I agree. I thought the, I thought the take on team and sometimes it's expectations too. Like you thought Zoe Stark against Saray was going to be good. Sheeta and, and take Conti you were hoping would be good, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I like the EO segment. Frankie Monet, I think is going to be interesting. I mean, NXT, I've said this before. NXT should basically, they have a women's, they have a women's division and there's like some dudes there. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it kind of appears to be. Um, But yeah, no, really, really good stuff from Saray. I think she could be interesting. I enjoyed her work. I think she's going to be a little bit more mat based than um, some of the Japanese stars. Like we've seen like EO and Kyrie Sane. So I think it could be good. Chris, what, what were your, thoughts on the match and maybe the NXT women's division in general. Zoe Stark is incredible. I mean, just the way she works in that ring. I mean, obviously she's a veteran. She hasn't just appeared out of nowhere. She's been in this business for a while and it shows. And what I got a kick out of this. I, now I don't want to, I don't want to say Beth Phoenix doesn't know anything about stardom or I'm assuming that's where Sarai came from. Correct. Uh, stardom. Yes. yes, correct. So when Beth Phoenix is putting her over as a Joshi a performer and everything she said did you hear that whole beth phoenix part it just made me go okay someone fed her these lines i can't believe beth phoenix is watching any of that and furthermore uh yeah i liked i mean i had i'm not gonna lie and say i've seen saray before because i haven't so this was the first time a lot of good work and uh yeah at the end of it i just said i came out saying that stark looked better here i thought in terms of okay who looks like the star to me stark did that's just my thought I know who they're going to push long term, but uh, by the way, what was the finish that she used, guys? What whose finish was that from the past? Or not finish? I shouldn't say finish, but whose move was that from the past that she used? Anyone? Uh, what was the move? I don't. Saray's finisher that yeah. suplex. Yes. What was that? Because I looked at it three times and went, "Oh, I mean, it looked. I mean, it looked. I mean, it kind of looks like a version of like the rock bottom, but um, I don't know who." T-bone Tasplex is what it was. It was a it was a slight variation of a T-bone Tasplex. 
Huh. Interesting. Yeah. She, that's it. That's interesting. All right. All right. Yeah. Like, um, I see. Oh, and before I forget, just want to let people know that, uh, Chris is bringing in, you know, uh, bringing in the views tonight. Uh, we got Alex Mercado, uh, saying, you know, hello to uh, Chris. He may or may not know Chris on the outside world. Uh, I never met him. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, our social media ambassador, uh, Jackie Endy from You Don't Know Jackie podcast, throwing a couple of words in there, you know, trying to get herself over like she does every week quite well. Uh, but sticking with the women, what, what are your guys' thoughts on what are they doing with right now with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai? Because it looks like from the promo last night, they're already starting to figure out that they're going to split these two up. And, you know, and, and also regards to the EOS segment with that interview, you're setting up uh, Frankie Monet, that feud. So, I mean, it looks like you're continuing, like we said before, the depth of the women's division. As Jay so politely said, you know, it's a bunch of great women, maybe a couple of dudes there. Um, what, what do you think of all these people who are setting up as challenges? You also have Mercedes Martinez. So, Jay, what, what's your thoughts on the depth and what they're setting up here? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. It's just, it's just fantastic. And, you know, I thought Io was going to be gone. So I'm surprised she's there. But I love that they're, you know, she's talking in English. Um, I think her talking in Japanese would be fine. Uh, But I like that she's talking in English. I think it's going to help for when she goes to the main roster and Vince screws her, screws her up. But um, at least, you know, so she's, I I love that kind of sit down format. I love them like watching the tape. It reminded me of like what you would do when you interview like an athlete or whatever, you're kind of watching his old games and, you know, like uh, the, the, uh, the last dance documentary and Jordan's like watching people, you know, watching uh, interviews that people did against him. And he's like laughing at them. So I love kind of the sports feel of the interview that they did. And then Frankie Monet, the only thing is like with the, with the dog, it's like, we had him. I mean, you know, the dogs might run a little bit. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know how obedient that dog is going to be all the time. That dog is a star though. Very good by the dog staying in tune and, and, and doing all that stuff and not running away. Um, I have a dog. He absolutely would have run away. He would not be interested at all in any of this <laughs> stuff, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, it, it's the divisions just, it's just stacked. And there's so many options and possibilities for everyone. And that's one thing I love about wrestling. I love when it's not, okay, this guy is mad at this guy and that's all it's going to be. Raquel Gonzalez could go against freaking anybody. Mercedes Martinez could go against anyone. You know, they're setting up certain things, but there's still a lot of different ways they can go. So I, I thoroughly enjoy NXT women's, uh, women's division. Oh, 100%. In fact, last week when Frankie Monet debuted, and of course her segment was overshadowed by having um, Bianca Belair come back, having Rhea Ripley come back. But before that, she owned that ring against Raquel Gonzalez. She was the star. Listen, we talk about Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie. And the, and the impact she's had on, no pun intended, that she's had on this business and how long it took her to decide to go here. I'm inclined to believe she made that decision. I want to believe they wanted her from the get and she just stayed loyal for whatever reason. And despite the fact that her husband works in this company and she has star written all over her, she does everything right. That that first promo last week, when, when I should say this past Wednesday, when she, excuse me, Tuesday, forget about the day change all the time that she uh, had that back and forth with EO. EO, of course, went Japanese on her. But ultimately, and with Raquel Gonzalez, that this division is so loaded that it's hard to book 
because you have to protect people. But at the same time, you have to get to almost like throw darts at a board and say, okay, this is who I'm going to put over this. Week. It's not easy to book that. I, I agree. And to Chris's point, and that's why Zoe Stark had lost. You got to have somebody lose. You can't have Aaliyah and uh, what's the new woman? Jesse, Jesse Kamea. Yeah. You know, you can't have them losing every week. And Jesse Kamea wrestled a decent match with Mercedes Martinez last week. When is she going to get a push? So it's, it's, I mean, you have to have somebody lose. And I, 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 I agree. I mean, is Dakota Kai going to be kind of the gatekeeper? I think that's going to be kind of her role moving forward. Um, so she might be the one to have to lose, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they book, how they book these women and how they, you know, have them lose and, and win matches and, and, and not have screwy finishes all the time. Right. And when you look at this division, I'm sorry, Corey, last thing I'll say, when you look at this division, are they really missing Ty Conti? I'm just talking about the depth of it is my point. I, I, I agree. Point there, you know, how do you get over? I mean, and this is what you see with, you know, places like, you know, Mission Pro Wrestling that Thunder Rosa runs where Lacey, uh, Lacey Evans, who is now uh, Zoe Stark, came, came from where these women got a chance to show themselves on some of these smaller shows. And you'll see where some of these other people may get a chance. But the roster is so deep with talent that sometimes a person like now a Chelsea Green, who's no longer, you know, who's been recently released, didn't get that opportunity. A, a uh, Perrazzo, who's, you know, the champion at Impact, who's had maybe one of the best years last year of anybody in the industry who wasn't in NXT, in NXT sometimes you got to leave because it's so deep a division to get that opportunity. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do short term. Will it be Mercedes Martinez? Will they go with the, the heel turn right away of Dakota Kai basically turning on, you know, um, Raquel Gonzalez? Will you, you know, will you have, you know, just basically you know, going to the main roster and just being there to put over Frankie Monet and then maybe she leaves. I mean, I don't know how much longer EO will be there. I could see EO just doing this last few to Frankie Monet, getting her over, getting her over, and then going to the main roster. I don't know if I see her still staying long term. That'd be great for her if she does, because she won't get screwed over by bad booking on the main roster. Yeah. You know, but I think it'll be really interesting where they go short term. Uh, one one thing from the chat, Alex uh, Mercado saying SmackDown and Raw needs more female wrestlers. Well, they fired four of them last week. (laughs) And he's right. They do. I mean, the lack of depth in their, in in the women's divisions on the main, we don't need to talk about the main roster more than this, but the lack of depth in their women's division is it's, it's, it's a sorry, sorry, sorry state. And one of the best women they have Nikki cross. They don't really have do a whole lot. I know that she's getting a little run on run now, but, um, yeah, they, they really need to do more. Um, I mean, but the thing is, it's like, you know, if you're Io Shirai, I mean, I guess you want to go to SmackDown or Raw for the money, but yeah, yeah like you're a superstar in NXT. <laughs> so I do, I do think this though, there's a formula. If you notice with people that first come in, they don't always go over right away in high profile matches. When you look at LA Knight, Kushida and other people that have come through the system, it takes time before Triple H puts them in that position. So don't assume that Frankie Monet is going to go over Io Shirai right away. I just don't know. Yeah, I could I could see that, but like I said, but if you want to put uh, Frankie Monet on the map, beating you know a, basically one of the longest reigning champions, that might be a way to show that you know for people who don't watch Impact, you want to give her that that moment in the sun. I think that could be a way to get her over, and then you can just have you're going out after two losses, kind of similar what they did with. Um, with your Raw Women's Champion now, 
and just, you know, that's how basically she went on a little bit of losing streak, putting over Raquel. I think the way you can maybe do that by putting over a couple of people on your way out, kind of the old school way of doing it. But uh, Chris, it was great having you on the podcast. How about you let people once again know how they can follow you on Twitter and let them once again know uh, about your podcast and everything you're, uh, you're up to. Thank you. Yes, it's a Morton's Law podcast. Of course, Morton's Law, it's available on every major platform. And also you can follow me on Twitter at Morton's underscore law and Morton's Law podcast on YouTube. Uh, thank you. I, real quick before I go, I just wanted to say, uh, Jason, I know you guys don't have gimmicks here, but if I were to give you a gimmick, I would call you the human wheelbarrow because you carry the show every freaking week. And and <laughs> furthermore, I just wanted to, because Corey, you always say, oh, I trash AEW this and that, this and that. But how about this? I want to applaud two things before I go out. First of all, the way Christian worked with Hobbs was incredible. The way he put him over... And the way he lost was perfect booking. You say I dump on Tony Khan. Whoever came up with that finish was ideal because they made Hobbs look good while then making him look like the heel that made a mistake by trying to mock Christian and then got and then paid for it. Perfect finish. Secondly, and last, um, the the Darby Allen Jungle Boy match. Uh, bravo, bravo. And do you know why I say bravo? Because they didn't do three thousand dives. I didn't have to hear Excalibur saying about his TP for his bunghole and every move that he uses. And it's just like that match, because if you looked at the first five minutes of that match, they started and did, did wrestling. They gave us wrestling. And now, the, and, the, and even the finish was perfect. Everything about it. So there, there's your AEW for you, Corey. See, I don't always trash it. Uh, you're a lot more fun when you're trashing AEW. But if you want to listen to all that and a lot more on a little comedy, a little bit brilliant when it comes to talking sports or how much, you know, I'm sure you love uh Andy Dalton and what they're going to do in the draft when it comes to Chicago Bears. Be sure to check out every week Christopher Morin and the Morin's Law podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, just like us on Anchor FM. So, Chris, once again, great having you on the podcast. You know, it won't be as long. You know, we won't take, you know, a two year layoff next time. So, we'll have you on again real soon. Thank you. For uh, Chris, before I go, I want to uh, tell you something real funny. So, you know, I, Illinois betting is legal. I live in Chicago. I don't know if you know that, but. So I, I make, you know, Corey knows this. I make a million bets all the time. And I love futures. Those are my favorite bets. Julius Randle plus 33, most improved player, whatever. whatever. So uh, I did a bet on the Bears to make it to uh, win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I did it before what Dalton. Day? I did it before Dalton because I was like, if and before Watson wanted to touch every massage therapist. Because if they got someone like Watson, they would go from being, I think they were plus 3,500. So, mm-hmm. you know, plus 1,100. So I'm like, I'm going to put 10 bucks on it, whatever. Right. And Andy Dalton. And obviously I'm like, I'm just going to take my, I was able to cash out most of the money that I put on that bet. But I I was like, they could have had, you know, and again, I don't know who they were going to get. They tried to get a bunch of people. I completely get it, but they go from maybe expectations of getting somebody good to Andy Dalton. Again, the bears fans here, everybody is just so upset. Everybody is so upset in Chicago. It is. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It is. It is hilarious for me. I love it. But I'm sorry for you as a Bears fan. You guys are probably going to stink this year. And Chris, go pack. Go. Oh, that hurts. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you uh, soon. Bye, Chris. Bye. So. Uh, so, uh, Jay, as we uh, talk a couple more quick things here before we call it a day, MLW is 
going to uh this is entertaining chris trying trying to figure out chris leaving the zoom <laughs> all right <laughs> uh all right mlw go ahead i'm being funny um so we'll we'll do that to uh try to get rid of chris there uh but M- mlw made a couple announcements this week and another you know okay show uh so jay the two major things that came out uh, July 10th, they will be having live fans when they go to the ECW arena, which, you know, everyone and their mother, when you're a, uh, a wrestling promotion, you got to go there. They're going to go and have, like, a social distancing. People are gonna, apparently may have to take tests or not. And then also on May 5th, they're going to go and take a break after the Myron Reed versus Leo Rush uh, rematch. I'd like to get your thoughts on, on both those things, the idea of having going back on the road, he may see, might be the first one to actually do that besides WrestleMania for major promotion. And also basically taking this break, you know, basically right after you get on, I guess the third thing was Viceland this week. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Vice, right? Not Viceland. It used to be Viceland. Now it's just Vice TV. Now it's just Vice TV. Um, so as the train goes buzzing, buzzing by, um, I didn't know. I, so I, you were like, you're like, Jason, you got to watch MLW, the Court Bauer announcement. So I ended up watching the whole show. By the way, the TJP uh, match was actually pretty good. Um, I didn't I didn't hear the uh, maybe I was like, I misheard. I didn't hear that they were taking a break. So that's interesting. Um, the fans come- coming up uh, with whichever member of the Von Eric family is facing uh, Tom Lawler. And then the fall. Well, yeah, I know the May, the May 5th one. So after that, how long are they taking a break for? july 10th when they do the uh the so they're taking a break to wow that's that's good for them good good for them i i wonder you know and it's not going to be a pay-per-view right it's just going to be a regular show so i guess you know that's that's what they could do and, and that's going to be their that's going to be when they're going to be on vice oh good for them i think it's a good idea to have a little bit of a break i think um we've talked about this for a long time about wrestlers getting a bit of a break and freshening up their characters um things like that I think it'll be interesting to see who MLW brings in because they do have kind of a lack of depth in terms of their roster. So with them being on vice, are they going to bring more people in? There's a lot of free agents out there. We know that. Um, I don't know exactly if that coincides with uh, some of the people leaving. I'm not sure uh, when the 90 day clauses are up. I, th- I thought it was like July 14th. Yes. A couple of days later. Ah, a couple of days later. Okay. So they can't get any of those guys, but um, it, it'll just be interesting to see what they what they do moving forward. I know they hinted at trying to have a women's division back in a day. I don't know if that's something that they do, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that a company like MLW is doing well. I think they do things that are like kind of rough around the edges, um, but then they do some really fun stuff too, and they're not afraid to take chances and be innovative. And um, so I, I'm I'm happy for them. I'm excited for them. I thought I think Court Bauer's done a tremendous job of being like the guy who runs everything, and so um, yeah, I'm excited to see see where they go. Um, in terms of having fans, you know, I I I, had, I talked with someone actually one of my old high school buddies on um, Facebook about this. He's in the Russell Life group as well. I think that it's it's fine, and it's probably time to open things up. Now you have to do it safely. You can't have a bunch of dummies there who don't who who have COVID. Uh, you know, apparently WrestleMania people are coming back with COVID now, so you got to do it safely. 
Um, and but if you do it safely and you have social distancing and you have a bunch of you know people there, maybe show your vaccine card if you got a vaccine. If you don't get a vaccine, you can't go. I, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm sorry to, to be an asshole. But now it's available for anyone 16 and older. And by that time, it'll be whatever. It's months from now. If you don't get a vaccine, you're you, it's fine. That's your choice. But you can't go to this shit. Like, it, the, it's got to be if, you know, so if they do that, um, then I think, um, you know, they can have a good show. And I mean, this will be, Corey, this will be the first show in the United States in an indoor arena that's had fans, right? This will be the other first than, one. Other than WrestleMania, you know. Yeah, well, WrestleMania was outdoors. That's right. Yeah. So the first indoor arena to have fans. It'll be interesting to see. I know AEW's talked about going on the road at some point. We talked about that yesterday off air. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this this all really works out moving forward. Yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting on those couple of fronts there on how they handle all this stuff. Uh, I think it's an interesting move that – you, you announce a TV deal with, with Vice TV starting in May. May 1st, apparently, uh, is when they'll start with older material. Uh, I guess older episodes and different things on Viceland. And the first new episode, I guess, will be on May 5th. With like, say, or, Sorry to interrupt. Let me ask you this. Do you think the show changes at all? Right? Like, it's a, it can be a rough around the edges show. You right. know, cursing and uh, just rough around the edges. It's not a kind of a crisp TV presentation all the time. And that's one of the things I like about MLW. It is a little bit more ECW style. And I think that Court Bauer is an ECW fan. And that's, I think, his style. Do you think the style of the show changes at all? No, because uh, Vice, if you, sorry, Vice, I keep on saying Vice. That's from what I remember from back in the day. But if you watch anything on Vice, a lot of their programs, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of the stuff is a little bit edgier at times where, they do stuff uh, dealing with, you know, um, a lot of social issues and the idea of like legal legalization of pot and what's going on in the world with different, you know, situations with healthcare. And they, they do a lot of stuff where they don't care on what people think on and how they're going to be portrayed. So, you know, they take chances. So I think that's one of the things that most likely made it an interesting choice for MLW because they mostly knew that they would get a lot of leeway buy a station that's willing to be go out on the limb and, you know, do things. And they're much more, to put it nicely, they're a much more liberal based station of, you know, they did a, they did the whole uh, last year or the year and a half ago, the whole, you know, pro Bernie, Bernie Sanders uh, documentary on how, you know, how the media basically barely covers them on any good subjects and how, you know, they didn't cover him because he's not the usual democratic candidates. I mean, they'll go and take, take things and stuff they did with the wrestling documentaries and stuff. You know, it's the same channel that we're going to have returning, you know, dark side of the ring and, you know, basically two weeks. So I think this channel is willing to take chances and do edgy television. I agree. I agree. Um, Corey, let, you said you did, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll tell people how the sauce is made. You just sent me a message about uh, impact and what I want to talk about for the pay-per-view. Let's just run through the whole pay-per-view real quick. Um, some matches we'll talk about for five seconds. Some matches we'll talk about for longer. So, um, let's roll with that. Uh, vice does do a lot of very, very interesting things. You're right with TV and we'll see how MLW is presented on there and works, but I'm, I'm really happy that there's another company on TV 
that appears to be doing well. I mean, this is a great era for wrestling. It really is. Yeah, and, and right before, I just want to say quickly, it also came out this week that New Japan Pro Wrestling apparently had a deal in place, an offer from Vice as well, and they went and rejected that offer. I don't know if it was a bar deal or if it wasn't enough money for them or if they weren't, if it was, you know, a thing where they didn't want to be exclusive and Roku didn't make them, you know, the exclusive thing. But, you know, apparently they also had a deal with Vice that's come out that, you know, maybe I don't know if it was hard feeling by Vice, but it's come out that they also had an offer for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, you know, so this wasn't the first thing that they were trying to get. So, you know, they, they've been trying to get into the wrestling game, looks like, for a little while. But um, Impact Rebellion this Sunday, we've already spoke about a little bit already. AEW World Champion Unification Match with Impact Champion uh, Ken, Kenny Omega with Don Callis versus Rich Swan. I think we will totally agree. It says Kenny, Kenny Omega is going to win this match. And I think the most interesting thing, which our guest a little while ago, Christopher Morin, said – you know, we've got a tape show next week. I'm guessing you already has a copy of the title with them, which they'll be showing, you know, the following week. Or, you know, we just continue to be like, uh, he's only going to be showing the title when he's on impact. Uh, this thing was planned out. I mean, this was, this, no, no, was of course, right. this was this was planned out. So I think I think Omega definitely wins the match. I, I can't see him not winning. Um, you know, talk about the forbidding door. I, I think he wins the match. I think no question. I think it's going to be a good match. Um, it, you know, it should be a great match. They'll have a lot to live up to with that Laredo Kid match at Triple Mania because that was one of the, my favorite matches of the year. So uh, let's see how they do. Uh, Impact Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Finn Juice, Dave Finley, and Juice Robinson coming back from their tour in New Japan Pro Wrestling where they did at times, you know, wear the titles. So that's at least, you know, nice to know that they care enough to wear the titles. Versus the Good Brothers in the rematch from, I believe it was the Sacrifice uh, Impact Plus show. I would think you're going to get the titles back on the Good Brothers due to the fact of how much they're on uh, AW. And I think you look like a more important figure when you have titles around your titles mm-hmm. around your waist. And I just don't know how much Finn Juice is going to be in the United States. So Yeah, quick for me, Good Brothers win. No doubt about it. And I think it'll be a good match. The first match was solid. Uh, yeah. Matt Cordona versus Brian Myers on uh, the, the match of who I guess likes their, their toys more. Um, I would, I would have Brian Myers win. I think it would help him more. And I think he's been doing better work on uh, impact from the, from, from what I've seen. Yeah. I think Brian Myers is, is a, is a contract employee. I think Matt Cardona is a per appearance. So I'm going to go with the contract guy and Brian Myers. Uh, a match that I think will steal the show. I mean, even though I think the main event could be one of the best matches of the year because you've got Kenny Omega and Rich Swan, two great workers, but three-way for the uh, X Division title match. Ace Austin, your champion, versus Josh Alexander versus TJP, who uh, we spoke about momentarily on his really good match, which you, if you have a chance, go out of your way to watch uh, the MLW match this past week, which will be on, uh, which is on YouTube at the moment. I think you keep a title on Ace Austin because I think there's bigger and better things that you can do with him as the heel champion. But uh, Jay, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think TJP is in there so that Ace Austin has someone to beat. Uh, and then Josh Alexander continues to look strong. So I think eventually it's going to be, they're going to give him a push. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, after Ethan Page left, you know, Josh Alexander stayed loyal. I think they're going to want to give him a push. He does need a personality reboot, but he's fantastic in the ring. Uh, I think this may be the best match of the night. 
Um, sometimes triple threats can be weird. So, uh, but it should be a good match. Um, X division has been really good. Alexander and TJP had a match last week. That was really, really, really good on impact impact. It's funny. They have, they've, you know, calmed down to comedy. They don't have a lot of stars. That's why Omega's there, but they have some really good wrestling, man. They really, really do. It's a, it's a, um, really, I, I think people should check them out a little bit more than, than they do. Um, uh, but anyhow, uh, Ace Austin definitely wins the match. Uh, champ- knockout championship match. The Most likely the person who's done the most from being released last year from WWE. Uh, Deanna Peraza versus Tanel uh, Dashwood. I don't know how good of I'm, – I'm still – till this day, I'm not sure how good Emma is as a worker. Sometimes I watch her. I think she's really good. Other times I think she doesn't know what she's doing in the ring. I think that this will be a good match. I don't think it will ever get to the level of, you know, the matches we've seen in NXT or the Jordan Grace matches, you know, that we saw earlier or late last year. I think this has a chance to be a good match. I fully expect uh, Peraza to keep the title, especially with the possibility of, you know, a Chelsea Green or a Mickey Jane coming in, you know, in the next couple of months. Yeah. I mean, Deanna definitely wins. Uh, it's been very little build for this match. Um and so, yeah, I mean, I think Deanna definitely wins. Uh, next match, I'll be honest, I have no interest in. You have, oh, I'm sorry. Um, actually, I do kind of care about this one. I looked at the wrong way. Last Man Standing, Trey Miguel versus Sammy Callahan. I haven't loved the build to this match, I, but I love both these guys. I think Sammy is one of the most underrated guys in the business. And I think Trey Miguel is a guy who's got a really bright future. And I'm glad, I mean, I'm super happy for his former tag team partners in the Rascals, you know, getting the opportunity, they're getting an NXT. But I think he has a chance in Trey Miguel to be someone who could even dethrone at the end of this whole entire Kenny Omega build, you know, this storyline, be the guy who maybe takes a title off him somewhere down the line. So, I mean, I think really big things, but I'm not sure this feud is over. So I think if that's the case, Sammy wins the, at least the first match of this feud, long-term Trey Miguel wins. But if it's, if it's a one and done, Trey Miguel wins. If it's going to go on for a while, I think Sammy wins the first match. Yeah, I think Trey Miguel definitely wins. I think um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Miguel moving forward. I think he still needs to get better talking and personality-wise. I've enjoyed the feud, the kind of back and forth that they've done. And so I think this is a good spot for Miguel to win this match and move on to potentially going against Omega, which I think that could be a really fun match. Well, I think you do that a little bit down the line because I don't think he loses the title one month mm-hmm. Winning it, but no, I don't. I don't know if Miguel is going to win the title. I don't know. I mean, you get you'd have to have a rematch with Swan, but you're going to have to go against someone. And mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, uh, one person who who is not on this card is Moose, which I think is also interesting, right? And so you're going to have to elevate someone. And Chris um, so, so what'd you say? Chris Bay. I mean, Chris Bay's not on this show either. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, all that, all that works out, but yeah, I think Chris Bay, we, we've already talked about that. ASOS and Trey Miguel and Chris Bay are, are the guys you need to build the company around. Um, so that, that's where that go. L- let me go with this one. Violent by design. Uh, Eric Young is out. I mean, I don't know how he's even going to wrestle in a match. Probably going to just sit on the ring apron. Cause he's got a torn ACL. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's going against Eddie. So violent by design going against Eddie Edwards, William Mack, James Storm, and Chris Saban. This was a match to have a match on the card. Um, I think Violent by Design wins. They're continuing to kind of push those guys. 
Um, I just wonder what happens after this because of Eric Young's injury. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll be, this was the match on the show that I really didn't care about. Um, I would guess the heels win because, you know, when you just have, you're putting a bunch of guys together, it's most likely to set up something further down the line. So, I mean, I'll go violent by design. Uh, final match on the card as of right now. And uh, for all those, I believe the final impact leading up to the show is actually on Twitch right now, which once we're done, I'll be actually watching. Um, you've got the Knockouts Tag Team, Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steele versus Jordan Grace and a mystery um, tag team partner. I just beforehand, I would say, I think they actually did a pretty good job with the whole tire send off for jazz last week. Um, I can see maybe Taylor Wilde, who they've been doing all the promos for maybe being the tag team partner. I don't know if you put the titles on Jordan Grace and whoever the tag team partner is, because I don't know how much longer uh, Jordan Grace is going to be with the company, you know? Yeah. We, I mean, it's hard to say the contractual thing. We don't know. Um, I think if Grace, I, if Grace, I think if it's this Taylor Wild woman or whatever, you know, you could either do a, a thing where Jordan Grace and this new person comes in, the new person and Jordan Grace don't get along and you have a feud with those two. I think they should keep the belts on Kara Hogan and Tasha Steeles. I think they're one of the best things in Impact. Um, but I'm also, I'm a mark for them. So I will be very honest. I love the both of them. I think they're both great. I think they should keep the titles on them. Um, so I'm just going to go with go with my heart. But I I, I think uh, this Taylor Wilde uh, woman uh, appears. I'm not really that familiar with her. Uh, but I do think she kind of, she probably makes her appearance. And it should be a pretty good match. So I'm going to ask you what I asked you when we ever preview every show. I know that we're going to most likely one way or another, either via highlights or watching the show in full, see the Kenny Omega match versus Rich Swan because it's one of the biggest matches should be on paper wasn't promoted that way this week but what's your looking at this card what's your interest level of a one to ten for this show sure now also you got to remember the show's at three o'clock on Sunday right three o'clock on Sunday isn't it I didn't realize it was that yeah early. check the time while I'm while we're doing this I'm, I think it's at three o'clock on Sunday because the time stood out to me remember they were doing funny times because of like UFC and AEW so I feel like it's three o'clock on Sunday or three o'clock on Saturday. It's a weird time. I well, feel definitely like. on Sunday. Um, I think it's I think it's three o'clock. But as far as my um, level of uh, interest in the show, it's a pretty loaded card. You have a really good triple threat match. The world title match is something we haven't seen in a really long time. A unification of two different companies. Um, you have New Japan with Finn Juice coming over in a good match. Eight p.m. 3 p.m. Yeah. So, you, 8 p.m. What'd you say? It is eight. It's 8 p.m. Ah, I swore I saw a different time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look here. But, um, yeah. So, I, I, I think this is a, a very, very interesting card. So, I, I would give this, I don't know, a, a seven. I'd give this a solid seven or an eight. I think this should be a good, a good card. Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff on it. Once again, as I always say, I wish that, you know, Impact was on a network that I got on my cable company. Watching something on the computer on at, on Twitch is a, is a pain in the butt. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to watch the main event at least. Um, I think it's a really solid show. And I think that this could be one of the better shows that Impact puts on. And I just re I'm going to say one more time. 
I really wish that AEW found a little bit of time on this show to either put Rich Swan on or at least do some sort of promo package besides as an insert during a commercial break. I'm saying that this show actually existed. That's the and it is it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so a couple of quick hits before we get out of here. Uh, as we're running a little bit short on time, and we once again want to thank uh, Christopher Morin for joining us and giving a, a ton of time this week. Uh, EC3 uh, was hospitalized for an infection. Hopefully he gets better soon. Uh, he really did a good job in that feud with um, Jay Briscoe, and uh, we'll see how long he's out for. Uh, Jay, it's, it's amazing. You know, he's doing all this, this good work, and he just he gets COVID. He's out for, you know, their big show. Then he does a 19th anniversary show. And now once again, you know, he's hospitalized. Sometimes a guy just can't get a break when you, you think he's a hot commodity. So hopefully- well, he did the 19th anniversary show. So he did, he did, the, he did the show. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it sucks. Um, the whole, the, the main thing is you hope that the guy's okay. Right. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's all right. Uh, we also, we found out uh, today or late last night, why they did on Raw the whole tie suspension gimmick. Uh, Charlotte is out due to a dental surgery, so she'll be gone for most likely a couple of weeks. I'm sure it's not a long-term thing, so this will most likely lead to another one-on-one match between Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Hopefully it's better than their, their last match. Um, and Jay, I'm not going to talk about it, but congratulations on not watching Raw for the first week. You made the right decision. I have two more weeks before I fully give up on it. Oh, I knew I made the right decision once I stopped. Once I stopped watching it, I'm um, absolutely not going to watch it again. Well, I, I don't want to say watch it again, but it, it'll it'll be a while. Uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, Nick Khan, the one of the head operating officers in WWE, I mentioned on a conference call that uh, Ronda Rousey and uh, Becky Lynch would be coming back in the uh, soon. Well, uh, Ronda Rousey is four months pregnant. Congratulations to her. Um, I would be surprised if she's back before WrestleMania 38 next year or, you know, sometime after that, you know. uh, So, Corey, they changed the time. It was three o'clock. They said they moved it to Sunday night. Yeah. So it was three. So at least both of us were right. Um, Because it's like impact moves to Sunday night. So I think it was originally three o'clock. By the way. No, I think it was Sunday at three and now it's Sunday at eight. Here's the problem. If you're going to have a show, be consistent on the time. And I only recognize it because they kept saying like three o'clock. Oh my God. Oh, impact. Sometimes they can't get out of their own way. Um, In terms of Nick Khan saying that, um, you know, Ronda Rousey was going to be back, maybe be back and maybe Becky Lynch. I mean, he couldn't have known that the woman was pregnant. So uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I could kill the WWE for like everything. I watched Raw for two minutes and I already was mad about that. So, I mean, I could kill him for a lot of things. I'm not gonna kill him for him thinking like they might come back. Um, and I'm sure there's a chance Becky Lynch could still come back. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, all right. So, we are part of the Great um, Life Group podcasts. And very proud and excited to be a part of this uh, great team. Monday, we've got Dong City with Henry and Vince, a baseball podcast. Uh, Tuesday, we've got the Audible with Matt and Randy, uh, over under a number of uh, uh, 
bets that I make on a draft, probably around 25. Uh, so interested to see what they do, what they talk about with the draft. Thursday, you've got us, Worked Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Friday, we've got the Step Back with Jacob and Leon. Uh, the NBA season grinding to a slow crawl. And uh, Oklahoma City has, pl- I've never heard of any of the players in their team. And then Sunday, we've got Total Bases with Felipe and Sean, more of a fantasy baseball podcast. Corey and I might need some help there. So check this out. Um, we are Worked Shoot Wrestling Podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check us out. We are on Instagram and we are on Twitter at Worked Shoot Pod. W-R-O-K-E-D, Shoot Pod. Uh, the great Jackie Andy helps us with our uh, Instagram and uh, I try to live tweet. Um, I don't. I didn't do that much this week because I was kind of a little behind in the shows. But uh, I'm gonna try to keep up with the live tweeting a little bit more. Um, and we'll see. Maybe live tweet during this apparently Sunday night impact show. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, check us out. And um, yeah, that's it. And uh, once again, uh, in case you're joining us uh, late, uh, Morgan's Law podcast with our guest this past week. Christopher Morin, uh, you can check him out wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. And of course, if you want to go directly to his feed, anchor.fm backslash Mortens with an S dash law. And you can check him out on Twitter at Morton underscore law for uh, fresh takes on wrestling, uh, sports, and a little bit of stand up, you know, a little comedy for uh, your ears every week. But, uh, Speaking of comedy podcasts, uh, Jason, there's one that uh, we often uh, talk about you coming on, but you know you never actually get the invite. You don't know Jackie. You don't know Jackie. Jackie Andy, Jackie Rachel, Jackie Corey, the comedy podcast for the ages. Is it now Jackie Wheelbarrow, apparently? I'm just carrying us. I'm just carrying us. Uh, Jackie Andy uh, did put on there. So Corey sent me the thing in the chat. Corey, just hop on, just hop in on the wheelbarrow and go along for the ride. That's what he does every week, folks. That's true. I'm bit, but I'm, I'm bummed. Character success, as always. Uh, this week coming up on the uh, the podcast, we will be uh, doing another uh, conversation on uh, on tipping. This time joined by. Jackie Quest, uh, who Jason was part of a podcast with, uh, others known as Jackie Johnny. Uh, we have an interesting conversation there. And uh, Jackie Rachel returns from a two-week uh, absence. So uh, part of the gang is back together. So definitely check that out. But Jay, a final topic of the week as we close out, a show you've been raving about, I finally had a chance to catch up on. And the finals will be uh, tomorrow, Friday, New Japan Strong. Give me uh, some quick thoughts and uh, let people know why they should be checking out this very interesting hour of television. Yeah, so I, I this tournament's just been fantastic. There's been so many good matches on there. Uh, the match that stood out to me last week was Leo Rush and Brody King. Great match. And I love the, you know, when you have a really good little man and a good big man, you could say that their chemistry, you know, these the old Mysterio Brock Lesnar matches back in the day. Uh, I know Eddie Guerrero wasn't little, but he was a smaller guy next to Brock. They had great chemistry. I thought Leo and Brody King had tremendous chemistry. Um, one of my favorite matches um, that I've seen you know, on TV in a while. 
And then the Hikaleo Tom Lawler match, they just kind of beat the shit out of each other. Uh, so th- every match has kind of been a different style. You know, uh, Dave Meltzer's kind of talked about how NXT, it seems like every match is the same. I don't agree with him at all. I feel like AEW is a little bit more like that. Um, but I think Christian's brought a different flavor in. Anyway, I digress. The New Japan Strong Tournament has every match has felt a little bit different, um, a little bit different style, a little bit different like feel to it. And I've just really thoroughly enjoyed it. Clark Connors looked good in his match. Ren Narita, who I've said before, I think is going to be a star. Uh, Hikaleo looked very, very good. And it's a good thing he didn't win because I think he still need, has time to grow. I think he still needs some growing to do, but I think he's going to be an absolute star in New Japan as well. But here's the interesting thing. The finals are Tom Lawler, who is an employee of Major League Wrestling, and Brody King, who has gotten a big push on Ring of Honor television, who I think may win the title at some point, who you know worked for Ring of Honor. We talk about the forbidden door being open. Now, Lawler and Brody King have been on strong for like ever, right? But now it's different. You're giving one of these guys a title. So do they end up going to Japan to defend this title at some point? Is it just an American title? What do they do with the U.S. title? How does this continue to open up the forbidden door to other wrestlers in MLW? Leo Rush is, is little, I think he's more of a free agent guy. Um, but open to continue to open the door for TJP and, and guys like that who have been been there. Does Chris Bay make a return? He was in the um, uh, you know uh, the junior the junior tournament there. So wh- you know, how does this continue to open things up? Because with the, some of the young guys that that uh, New Japan Strong presents every week, working with some of these veterans, uh, it really makes for an interesting dynamic of the show. And I think now that they have a title and a focus. I think that's going to make the show even better. It still can be rough. And um, the, the, the uh, uh, announcer there, not K- Kelly, but Kozlov, is that his name? He's horrible. But beyond that, it is a very enjoyable show. It's only an hour. You can fast forward through some matches. Um, I highly recommend watching Lawler against Brody King this week. Uh, I think it should be a good match. I also think Lawler has really stood out. You know, you watch Lawler a lot in MLW and he's got to be a character or a certain character on there. They don't always give him time to wrestle long matches, but he's been tremendous in this strong tournament. And uh, speaking of uh, giving a 400th plug over here, but Christopher Moran actually on Twitter had a conversation with Kevin Kelly about the announcing. Uh, and he said that that's something that they are working on with making sure that Kevin Kelly is doing more of the bulk of the actual play-by-play and not uh, giving so much. That's something that they've been working on. And going forward, it's going to be more of Kevin Kelly doing the play-by-play and him do and allowing him to do, you know, the the color stuff. And he realized, and they've realized that they've allowed him to do a little bit too much with jumping in on his calls and how, you know, that's basically something that they're, they're going to fix. That's interesting. I, I like that they've looked in that because he is – he is terrible, you know, like he's, he's just really bad and it's not his English or anything like that. He's got an accent. That's no problem, but he's just not good. And sometimes they've had Rocky Romero be the commentator and Rocky Romero should be the commentator. (laughs) He should be the commentator, but I'm glad they're working on that. I'm glad Chris was able to have him on, Uh, but definitely check out uh, new Japan strong. It's been, you know, he's better than Adnan Kirk. So, Let's put it that way. It doesn't take much. And apparently he finally met Vince McMahon. So 
breaking news. Apparently that, that happened. But uh, Jay, another great week of conversation. Once again, thank Christopher Morton and everyone in the Life Group podcast who uh, gave us a little bit of information this week of comments and especially uh, Alex Mercado and Jackie Endy who decided to get herself over as she always does and helping us greatly with our social media at WorkshootPod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, check out You Don't Know Jackie everywhere you can get podcasts. Jason, as always, the final word is yours as we will more than likely be doing the show on uh, a different day next week because you will be on the road for the NFL draft with your yearly uh, pilgrimage of alcohol. Also, we wouldn't do a show right before the draft. That's crazy. Anyway, that being said, I think we're done here. See ya.